So today we're going to be walking through First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 3. And over the past two weeks, Pastor Ezra and Pastor Keith has shared some of the backdrop to the Church of Corinthians, a church that was established by Paul in the midst of a flourishing crossroads for trade and travelers where people from many religions came together, uh, cultures came together and worshipped many different gods. Uh, they had many temples uh, from diff- for different gods and one temple in particular, the Temple of Aphrodite, uh, the goddess of love, uh, surely ushered them into a, an age of sexual morality. It was a, a Roman colony uh, with a lot of Roman influences, and even in the government, in the festivals, in the social, social clubs, uh, many people sought out uh, Greek philosophy and placed a high price and premium on wisdom. So the church had reason to struggle in this environment. You see, Paul had preached in Corinthians for 18 months and labored there, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ until he moved on to Ephesus. And now he writes this letter, and I'm sure with great disappointment, because he had laid a foundation of Christ in this church. He had, he had poured out his blood and sweat and tears to build a solid foundation for them. And now he has to write this letter to the church of Corinth to call out some behaviors in the church that were less than Christ-like and required a pastoral love, a love letter of discipline. How many of us know that love without discipline is not love at all? Let me say it again. Love without discipline is not love at all. Sometimes we get confused that we just want to show love. But God is a God of love and discipline. He knows how to get us on the right track. Amen? So let us pray. God, we just thank you right now. We praise you. We give you all the glory and honor. We we just can't praise you enough, God, for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, I just ask you right now that you would just fill this temple with your Holy Spirit, O oh God, that we would fill your presence, O oh God, and that your word would go forth, God, and fall on fertile soil, God. Use me for your glory, God. Hide me behind the cross, O oh God, that you, God, would have all the glory on this day, God. We thank you right now, God, for what you're going to do through your holy word. Let us sit back in our tents, God, and hear what thus saith the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before I get into chapter 3, let me just reflect back on chapter 1 and parts of chapter 2 where we shared previously where Paul said, some folks have come to me and told me uh, that there's division in the church. And I heard that you were quarreling about which preacher you followed. And some say I follow Paul, some say I follow Apollos, some say I follow Cephas, and even some say I follow Christ. For us, that would be like saying, well, I only follow Pastor Ezra because I I don't really follow Pastor Harvey, the founder, or I follow Pastor Harvey because he founded the church, and and I can't really follow Pastor Ezra because Pastor Ezra is not the church planner that Pastor Harvey was. You see, sometimes we lift up man and we get confused about the different gifts and talents that God offers each and every one of us uniquely, and we can't get confused by what God has done with each member of the body and how he wants to use us. He said in chapter 1, Paul said, I appeal to all of you that you be united in the same mind with the same judgment, and let there be no division among you. And he questioned the church of Corinth. He said, was Christ divided? And he also said in chapter 1, in so many words, remember where you came from, church. Remember what you were when God called you. Many of you were not the wise of the world, not the powerful, nor were you the noble. 
You see, God chose the weak to shame the strong. He chose the foolish to shame the worldly wise. Why? So that no man can boast. In other words, God does not use the standards of this world to decide who gets in the kingdom and who doesn't. Lest we begin to think that the free gift of salvation is based on our own merits. In the beginning of chapter 2, Paul says, Brothers, I didn't come to you preaching the gospel with lofty speech and wisdom. He says, I made a decision to proclaim nothing but Jesus and Jesus Christ crucified. And my message was delivered in weakness, which must trembling and fear. And there was no plausible words of wisdom from me. But I depended only on the Holy Spirit and on the power of God. That your faith would not rest in the wisdom of a man. That our faith would not rest in the wisdom of a man. How many know man will always come up short? Only God is the one that lasts forever. And everything you know, he told the church, is from the Spirit of God. It wasn't my wisdom that gave it to you. It's the same Spirit that now dwells in you. Paul had laid a foundation not based on himself, but on Jesus Christ. And not on his wisdom, but on the Spirit of God. Yet, here we find ourselves a church that is struggling, built on a solid foundation, but still struggling. Today's message is we are more than just humans. Let us read chapter 3. But I, brothers, could, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready yet, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? But when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Service through whom you believe that the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters anything, but only God gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field and God's building. According to the grace given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by the fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. 
If anyone, if anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. The word of God. Paul here begins by letting people know that he could not address them with spiritual food. But as people of the flesh. Why? Because they were still infants. They were still infants in the word. Still infants in understanding. Still infants that could not feed on the word. He said, so I fed you with milk and not solid food because you weren't ready for it. You see, Paul understood that newborns, they were not ready for the just solid food. And when he first established the church, all they could handle was milk. But then he goes on to say, but now time has passed, but you're still not ready because you're still behaving only in a human way. Paul's disappointment was based on the fact that these were no longer new babes in Christ. They should have matured by now. They should have grown up by now. But still they were acting like infants. Still acting in some ways like they were part of the world. Still acting like they were jockeying for position in the church. Prestige and power was driving their behavior based on who was preaching. Their identities were being defined and caught up in a man. And they were suffering from an identity crisis. Paul asked the question, are you merely human? In other words, you're not living the way you should be living. You're living beneath your privilege, beneath of who you really are. Don't you remember that the Holy Spirit now dwells in you? Have you forgotten that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature in Christ. Old has gone away and new has come. Have you forgotten that you are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to the living God? Paul wanted to give them something solid, but still they weren't ready yet. Saints of God, the Corinthian church was trying to survive on the milk that Paul had fed them in the beginning when they were but infants. But the word of God says we are to grow in the knowledge and wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being saved is great, but we must trans be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Milk alone cannot sustain us. It does not have all the nutrients necessary to have a healthy lifestyle. You see, the race that we're in requires us to grow in our understanding of who Christ is, the sufficiency of God's grace and his provision for us. The race we're in requires us to grow in the Lord. Our salvation is only the beginning of the life that God has in store for us, a life that reflects the love of Christ, a life that is focused on kingdom building, a life of peace and protection from our enemies. That is the life that God has in store for us. He doesn't want us to wallow in the pig pen any longer. 
We cannot protect ourselves from the attacks of the enemy when the milk is our only source of nourishment. You see, the evil one wants to take us back to what we used to be. He always wants to remind us of the shame that we once felt. He wants to remind us of the guilt that we carried. He wants to remind us of the pride that we once lived in and what we wore like a badge of honor, lusting after women. He wants to remind us that's who we used to be. But thanks be to God that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't have to worry about my prideful nature anymore. I don't have to worry about my selfish nature anymore. I don't have to worry about worrying about what people think about me anymore. I don't have to be fearful of making a mistake anymore because now my perfection is in Christ Jesus and in my weakness, he is made strong. Paul constantly refers to our spiritual journey in athletic terms. So I wanted to see what the world was saying about how athletes survive just on milk alone. I didn't think it was out there, but sure enough, when you Google it, you got weightlifters trying to live on a diet of milk alone. The results were not pretty. And the things that happen to their bodies are not worthy of the sanctuary. All that they gained in due time, in short time, withered away. Similarly, in our spiritual life, living off of milk would not sustain us. You see, Paul understood that as babes, they could not yet digest some of the weightier things of the kingdom. You know, just as I not, could not expect my grandchildren to fully digest the concept of the Trinity or common grace or justification or authority and sufficiency of the Scripture, those are things beyond their position right now, beyond their comprehension right now. Are they saved by grace? Yes. Have they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord? Yes. Do they believe that he died on the cross for them? Yes, they believe. And they've been baptized in the Lord. They know that Jesus died for them unconditionally and died for them on the cross so they could be with him forever. But they're still immature in their development. They're still trying to learn their way. I have to share this story. I didn't expect them to be here today, but that's okay. <laughs> they were visiting us. <laughs> they were visiting us. And uh, the two oldest were having a little challenge. And they were going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And finally I intervened. I was like, okay, you guys have accepted Christ. Why are you acting like this? Don't you love each other? I talked to them until I, till I, till I was out of breath. And you can see their eyes glaze over with the conversation. Like, come on, Pop Pop, we hear you, we hear you. And I said, yeah, but you got to love each other. And the youngest one, the, the youngest one said to me, yeah, Pop Pop, but nobody's perfect. That's the understanding of a child, right? She, she, she hears the word. She understands that perfection is only in Christ. But yet, she's not mature enough to understand that we all have to repent of our behavior and seek God and move forward and try to be better, try to be more Christ-like. But that wasn't where they were at the time. But yes, they love Jesus, and yes, they're saved. 
Infants can make excuses about behavior. But as mature saints, we have to be willing to actively pursue a life that is more Christ-like. Staying infants is not an option. Looking at verse nine, 5 through 9, and what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Service through whom you believe, as Lord has assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave growth. So neither he who new plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. Paul goes on here to explain that we should never put our hope in man. Some were taken by Apollos' eloquent speech and great wisdom. Others probably like Paul's direct con uh, conviction and con conversion messages. But they were but vessels of God used for the building of his kingdom. Not to be lifted up and deified. Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. Paul was an evangelist. He had a heart for missions, but he and Apollos were fellow workers with the same purpose, and that purpose was kingdom building. Sometimes we get distracted in the church about what we're trying to do, and everybody has their, their own mission, their own thing, but when we look around, it's all for the same purpose. Not to be divided, not to use our gifts against each other, but to act as one. It's easy to be attracted to different gifts and talents or to think different gifts and talents are more superior than others and even to think of my particular gift or talent as being superior. But the Word of God says all gifts are given to edify, encourage, and comfort the body. So we, the church, should not be divided over gifts given by God to man for the building up of the body. A great preacher, you see, is only great because of the power of the Spirit of God in him. A great singer can only sing through the grace and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. A great teacher is only teaching through the power of God that's in them. The superior administrator is such because it is a gift from God. An usher who sends forth a warm welcome is only by the Spirit of God in them. It is the Spirit of God in us that deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Yes, we are God's fields. He alone gets all the glory for tending to his field. He is the harvester, and we are just vessels. Yes, some plant some water, but guess what? God brings the sunshine and the rain. The farmers till the soil and plant the seed, but God gives the increase. Only God can bring life. Yes, we are God's building, and he alone deserves all the glory for the word of God says through David in Psalm 139, you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, it's God that designed us. God that gets all the glory. Are we more than human? Looking at verse 10 through 15, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. 
Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifested for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only through the fire. Here in Paul's humility, he says, but by grace of God, with the precision of a master builder, I have laid the foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ, not man. He encourages his church to be careful that they build on it, how what they build on it, because whatever they build on it will be tested by the fire. And if we choose to build on a foundation of Christ with works that are characterized by purity, such as the metals of gold and silver that will be burned up, won't be burned up in the fire. In fact, they'll shine even brighter when the fire hits them. When our works are anchored in the truth of the gospel, they will endure forever. When our works are anchored in unconditional love, they will endure forever. When our, when our works are anchored in the authority of God, they will endure forever. These are the works that will, not, that will stand the fire of tests. Unlike the works that resemble wood, hay, and straw, those that have no basis in Christ and do not conform to the dimensions of the foundation, those are man's traditions, man's philosophies, man's religions, man's rituals, and worldly wisdom. Church, we must remember that Paul here is addressing saved folks brothers and sisters in Christ. None are immune to falling away if we don't press into the Lord. How terrible it would be for the saints of God when one day when we're called home we're standing in judgment when all that we've built could turn to ashes because our works were not designed to give God glory. What legacy would we be, be leaving for the generations that would be following us? Are we more than human? In verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Paul says, if you don't know who you are, let me remind you. Let me remind you of who you truly are. You are God's temple, the temple of the living God, and His Holy Spirit dwells in us. We are a holy people, and God will destroy anyone that comes against us. When an enemy comes against you, say, don't mess with me, I'm a chosen one. When you feel the storms rise up around you, say, I, God's got my back. Saints, we don't have to walk in fear anymore. For God is our refuge and our fortress, our ever-present help in the time of trouble. Are we merely human? Or do we know that we know that we know that God dwells in us? Do we know that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus and old things have passed away? Do we know that God has brought us to a new place? Or do we still want to live in the past? In verse 18, it says, let no one deceive himself. Anyone among you thinks that he is wise 
in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise and craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Man's wisdom is folly to God. God already knows everything we're thinking. We can't outsmart him. We can't outthink him. So don't boast in your own wisdom. Paul here says all things are yours. That includes all the preachers that God has sent forth. He says the world is yours. Life is yours. Death is yours. The present is yours. And the future is yours. All yours. Why does he say that? Because we are in Christ and Christ is in God. You see, all of ours, all is ours because the preachers were sent here for our benefit, for our correction, for our edification, for our comfort. All are ours because we have dominion over the things in this world. All are ours because neither death nor life nor, nor can separate us from the love of God. The future is ours because our future has been sealed in heaven by the Holy Spirit. Are we more than human? You see, Riverside, are we ready for more solid food? Are we tired of being infants, constantly fighting off that old self? I know that I am. I'm ready to be the head and not the tail. I'm tired of being tossed around. I'm tired of being fearful. I'm tired of worrying about what people think about me. I'm tired of not doing everything God called me to do. The enemy keeps reminding me of my past. But I'm going to let the past go. David says in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Riverside, the world is looking for a better way. And we know the way. Habra Horsham is looking for a better way. And we know the way. The world is searching for an answer. And we have the answer. Let us be the light on the hill. Let us be this church without spot nor blemish. Let us be the church without division. For we are the ambassadors of Christ. I don't know what the enemy has his hooks in you for. I don't know if he's got you because of your pride or because of your lust or because of your anger, because of your gluttony. I don't know if it's because of your jealousy. But turn to God and say, God, I know I want to be with you. Our addictions and our depression, our weapons God can take out of our lives. The enemy has no stronghold on us. But we have to stop drinking just milk. We have to stop living beneath our privilege. The Word of God says we have to pray without ceasing. Meditate on his word day and night. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He tells us to renew our minds. We have to put on that helmet of salvation. Why? Because we are in a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
But we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Why? Because we are truly more than human. We can't stay in that place where we're just thinking that we're the same old person that we used to be. God has done a new thing in each and every one of us. He has taken us to a new place. His Spirit has empowered you to overcome the things in our lives that keep us bound. You just have to say yes, not look back. Look forward. Know what God is trying to do. It's not about the mistakes that we made in the past. It's not about the things that we made did wrong in the past. It's about moving forward in Christ Jesus, knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit has us and carries us. There's nothing that we can't do when we let God take control. The church is the lighthouse. The church is the ambassador for Christ. The church is the one that the world sees. Will they see us acting like the world or will they see us acting like Christ? We have a choice, church. We have a choice. We can start eating meat or we can stay on, on milk. God knows Riverside has been blessed in a mighty way. God knows he's poured so many gifts and talents into this place. God knows we have worshipers and singers and, and preachers and ushers. And God knows he's already positioned us to do a new thing in this community. But we just got to step out of faith and say, God, use me. Use me for your glory, God. I'm ready, Lord. We don't have to sit back any longer. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We are more than humans. We are superhuman because we have God in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. We're not what we used to be. It's time to take back what the enemy has tried to steal from us. It's time to do what God has called us to do. Be a light unto this dying world. Amen. Amen. Amen.